Welcome to r slash Petty Revenge, where OP exposes a dirty cheater. Our next Reddit post is from Sarge for Life. So, about a year and some change ago, my cousin was stationed at an Air Force base close to my house and was living with us. He's a total shopaholic. He says things are cheaper where I live. He finds 25 rolls of a certain type of wire that were almost 50% less expensive than at the store. Obviously, my cousin thought that it was a bargain. He made an offer and the guy accepted. We drive down for an hour and the seller says that he got a better offer, so naturally my cousin gets pissed and bummed out. I told my cousin that we should totally mess with this guy. I downloaded the same app and I found the post. I made an offer for full price of the cable, which was pretty steep. I can't remember how much exactly, but it was more than $2,000. After messaging for hours and making him drive an hour past my house, he tells me that he's at the random store where we agreed to meet, and I blocked him. A few minutes later, the guy messages back my cousin, telling him that the buyer backed out. My cousin makes a counter offer for even cheaper, and the guy shows up at my house, accepts less than 50% of the price of the cable, and unloads the cable for him. My cousin wasn't sad anymore. Our next Reddit post is from Well This Is Special. A rude woman just came into my store and grabbed some random stuff, including two Little Debbie Swiss rolls. As she's walking up, I hear her say, Oh, I smashed these. Then she runs off to swap them out for new ones. When she gets to my counter, I say, Wow, sucks for whoever gets those next, I guess. She goes, oh, I don't care, in a very entitled, grunty tone. She also has a pair of gloves sitting on the counter, and as I'm reaching for them, she says, I don't want those gloves anymore. Alrighty then. So, as I'm reaching for them, the Swiss rolls are directly under my arm. She turns away for a second, and I gently lower my arm down on top of her Swiss rolls and completely smash them. Enjoy, bitch. Beneath that, we have this story from Burkhus. So, I'm in an American suburban grocery store just picking up a few things for dinner that night, including a baguette. The bagger has gotten everything else into the bag while I'm running the card, and I see her struggling with a long loaf of bread as she's trying to figure out how to get the bread into the bag rather than sticking out of it. I see inspiration flash across her face, and I cry out, No! At the same time, as she folds the baguette in half and places it triumphantly in the bag, the cashier let me go back and get a fresh, intact baguette. What's so funny about this story is that if I were to tell you to imagine a person coming out of a grocery store holding a paper bag full of groceries, like what would you imagine being visible in that bag? Because to me, the stereotype is always a baguette sticking out of the bag and then maybe like the green parts of a vegetable, like maybe the green part of a carrot kind of slung over the side of the bag. And then, you know, maybe you can see some other stuff at the top of the bag, but it's just sort of like the tops of things so it's not super visible. So that's my stereotypical image image of what a grocery bag looks like. And I feel like most other people have that image too. So how does this person not understand that that's like, that's how baguettes work? Our next Reddit post is from NailerPod. So I hope this fits here. It felt like pro revenge, but in hindsight, it's quite petty. About 10 years ago when I was 19, I worked for a regional grocery store in the meatpacking department. The pay was bad and I had second shift. I came in at three and left at 11. It wasn't a terrible job, all things considered. I had the meat room to myself, so I could listen to music and really just not be annoyed by other employees. 
My duty was to package ground beef and other beef-based products and put them on the shelf. After 5 p.m., I also had to juggle working behind the deli counter. Well, shortly after getting hired, the boss of the meat department showed back up from vacation, and I was the new guy. Everything was fine in the beginning, but I found out that whenever I would clock into my shift, V, the lady who was supposed to be running the cash register, wouldn't be there and there would be a line of customers. So I would clock in and then spend the first 30 minutes of my shift doing her job. It was no problem. I actually liked that position. Well, after the line was done, I would almost always see Mr. Boss staring me down, angry that I wasn't doing my job. He would give me some rant about doing your duties unless customers need your help. And the customers almost always did need my help, but he wouldn't listen. I came to find out that the reason why V wasn't behind the counter was because her and Mr. Boss were having meetings in his office with the door closed. They weren't my husband or my wife, so not my problem. We continued this dance of me covering for her station and getting in trouble for it for a few weeks until an ice storm hits. I tell my boss that I can't get my car out and I'm waiting on a ride, so I might be a little late. He proceeds to fire me because this is the last straw. By the way, I didn't have any write-ups. I say that it's fine because I hate this job anyway. Fast forward two years, I'm 21, and I'm celebrating with my friends at basically the only local bar in this terrible tiny town, and when we walk in, who do I see? Why, if it isn't Mr. Boss and not V, but his wife. My old boss looks at me, and he tries to act like it's a happy coincidence. I sit down and tell him that it's my 21st birthday. He buys me a beer as a gift and I chat him up. Enter my revenge. I introduce myself to his wife and tell her how he treated me. I talk about how I would cover the deli counter almost every shit for half an hour, and then get in trouble for it because it wasn't my job. I tell her, I tried to tell my boss so many times that I wouldn't have to cover the deli if he and V weren't having their daily locked door meetings in his office. She looked at me, and she didn't say a word. Yeah, maybe what I did was scummy, but his wife was super polite and friendly, and not in that awful southern religious style, but as a genuinely nice person. I'm glad that I could help pull the wool to let her know that her husband is a complete garbage person. Well, OP, it kind of sounds fair, because while you were covering the cash register, it sounds like V was taking on your responsibility as the meat packer. Today's episode is sponsored by Honey. I don't know about you, but I do literally 100% of my shopping online. Because of COVID, I pretty much have to shop online because, yeah, I don't want to catch COVID and die. But on top of that, I read stories for a living, so I can't afford to sound like this for three weeks straight. Don't you hate it when you get to checkout and you don't have a code to put in that little promo code box? With Honey, you never have to leave that box empty. Honey is a free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and automatically applies them to your cart. For example, I buy a lot of audio equipment and I just saved 15 bucks on a microphone with Honey at checkout. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. I'd never recommend something that I don't use. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash r slash. That's joinhoney.com slash r slash. Our next Reddit post is from Deleted. 
Hey, so today I did something out of nothing but pettiness, but I feel like I did the right thing in the long run. Don't get me wrong, this was done purely for my own satisfaction. But upon reflection, I feel like I would want to know about this sort of thing if I was in my guest girlfriend's shoes. I recently started a new job as a housekeeper at a popular chain hotel, and while I am enjoying it, the vomit rooms from bachelor parties really irritate me. They somehow always manage to get their vomit on the only carpeted area of the entire room, and it puts me behind schedule having to scrub vomit out of the carpets. This one room today really took it to the next level. Rubbish scattered about, food jammed down the sides of the bed, as well as vomit patches all over the room. It took a while to get through all the mess, but towards the end, I found a birthday card addressed to the guest on the floor. The card was open and read, Happy birthday, guest. I love you so much. Have a great birthday weekend away. I'm gonna miss you so much. Love, Beth. I picked up the card to throw it away, and when I closed it, I saw the front read, To my amazing boyfriend on his birthday. My eyebrows immediately raised. I had just picked up multiple condom wrappers, seen the used ones in the trash, as well as finding a pair of used women's underwear and a torn dress in the sheets. I was originally going to throw the dress and underwear away because they were both clearly torn beyond wear, and the guest had most likely intended for me to do that, but man, I was mad about the vomit and the crusty food. This poor girl had been cheated on by a man who trashed the hotel room, but luckily for her, he pissed me off. I took the torn dress and underwear down to reception and logged them into our lost and found with the room number attached. Our system always sends a copy of lost item emails to the emergency contact as well, just in case the guest misses the email. The cheater and his emergency contact will soon receive a friendly email with a photograph of the forgotten items and a description of what they are and where they were found in the room. And who's his emergency contact? His girlfriend, Beth. If you're going to cheat on your significant other, don't piss off the housekeeper. Our next Reddit post is from Deleted. Years ago, we decided to move closer to my parents. The housing choices were slim, but we found a dilapidated house close by. It looked like it needed lots of work, and it seemed overpriced for the area, where the average house was like $200,000. We organized a viewing to decide on it, and we brought my very practical dad with us for a second opinion. The viewing was conducted by the owners, and from the very beginning, they were off. They'd never sold a house before, we were the first people to view it, and they actually said to us during the viewing that they were doing us a favor by offering their house at such a great price. We told them we wanted to move closer to my parents, and I think they assumed that we were desperate. We got home, thought about it, and the next day we offered the agent a price below the asking price, which we believe was suitable for its condition. Hours later, the agent calls back and says the owners are going to pray about it for a week and then give us an answer. And FYI, this time span is unheard of in my country. An answer is usually given within a day. A week later, they declined our offer, so we offered the agent another $2,000. The agent calls back and apologetically tells us the sellers refused to give us an answer yet because A... They haven't even started looking for a new house yet, and B, the owners believe they can sell it for more than the asking price now. So, they'll get back to us when they're good and ready, and we have to wait. 
so we rescinded our offer. A month later, we find a house in the same area that needs a lot less work and at only $180,000. We made an offer through the same agent, which was accepted, and we moved in four months later. During this time, the agent called us and said the entitled sellers have found a house now and they would like to offer us their house at the original asking price. We declined. I was kind of curious about the progress of the old house, so I chatted with the agent. He told me that we were the only offer in six months and that these people had been an absolute nightmare from the start. They expected their real estate agent to pay for the cleaners to get the house ready for viewings and they wouldn't take any advice to help with the sale. Keep in mind that their house was a hoarder's house. He also said that they'd recently put a deposit on a house against his advice before selling theirs, so now their old house is going up for auction because they needed the cash. I instantly called my dad. He was looking for a property for my sister and he'd already seen the house. He was interested. So off we popped to the auction house and we bid for it. The owners were in the room, but they hadn't noticed us. When the hammer went down, my dad owned the house for $110,000. He signed off on the sale and paid the deposit just as the previous owners came to the office. Their faces were like a picture. I gave them a shit-eating grin and left. Also, down in the comments, people are pointing out that the auctioneer's house would also take a cut, so realistically, the sellers only got about 90-95k for their house. Whoops. They really should have sold it for 200k when they had the chance. Our next Reddit post is from Wild Guess. The town I live in has full-size bike lockers that are very secure. These lockers have signs on them saying that you can't reserve them by leaving them locked and empty. So, how this started, I regularly commuted from my hometown to my next big city. I used to cycle each morning to the train station, wheel my bike into the locker, lock it, and go to work. One morning I get there, and all the lockers are used. It's a real pain, but I get my wife to drive in, take my bike home, and I go to work. The next morning, I get to the lockers 30 minutes early, thinking that I just had to get there sooner to get a locker, but nope, they're all occupied. I start to wonder what's going on, so I get on my hands and knees to look under the doors of the lockers, and nearly all of them are empty, but locked by people. First, I try to be reasonable. I call up the council, who put up those, don't you dare lock these lockers when empty signs, and they avoid responsibility. I ask the station manager, who claims that it's the council's responsibility. So, I go to eBay and make it my responsibility. It's frightening what you can cut through with a $20 pair of bolt cutters. The next Saturday, I drive to the train station, and for every locker that's locked and doesn't have a bike in it, I cut the lock and take it. About 80% of the lockers were like this. Then, the sweet revenge happens on Monday morning. I turn up and just watch. People cycle up to their lockers and find that their lock is gone with no way for them to safely leave their bikes. I got to enjoy the dawning expression of surprise and then frustration on three people's faces as they had to go through the, what do I do? I have no way to lock my bike pain that I did. Next Saturday, I did it again. Then I became addicted to it. I drove out to the next two train stations on the line and did the same to the lockers there. I kept it up for about a month until the lock stopped being used to reserve lockers. I still have the bolt cutters. 
That was r slash am I the butthole. And if you like this content, check out my second YouTube channel by clicking the link in the description.